ultimately, I'm going to keep saying it, get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. This episode is presented by BetMGM, the exclusive betting partner of The Athletic. Sign up at BetMGM.com using the promo code THEATHLETICPOD. And with that, I want to welcome you to the latest edition of 1% Better. And boy, do we have a lot to talk about. So, Zach, um, how's it going? I, um, we, just had a, we just had a nice drink at the, uh, the Ale House, um, unwinding after a long day of work, uh, sitting here in uh, this palatial room at the Courtyard Marriott. Um, I have, you know, I have people feeding me grapes and fanning me and, you know, life on the roads. It's pretty spectacular, actually, you know. Um, except we had to go watch the Colts lose 26 to 11 to the Jacksonville Jaguars today. And I feel like I need hazard pay because, oh my God, that was one of the worst performances I've ever seen with a team yeah. with a lot on the line. And oh my God, what just happened? Help me. I think it, it, at least four or five times in the last three hours, I've said to myself, did that just happen? It's not that they lost. It's, it's how they lost. It's that they, they failed to meet the moment so decisively that I was up on my computer during my, while I was writing my story, looking up synonyms to the word choke because I couldn't use choke too many times in my story. What'd you That's come up how, with? Uh, gag and ah. uh, collapse. Um, I could go on for hours, but you guys don't want to hear that. You want to hear us talk about the game and this team. <laughs> Actually, I kind of like it. I think it's kind of <laughs> fun and they, they might be into it too. I'm just saying. Oh man, <laughs> I, I feel for the fans tonight, man. They, I hope you guys had a couple drinks to ease the pain. That had to be as crushing of a loss as you can remember. And I've been covering this team for, I think, eight years, and I've been watching it since I was five or six. And mm-hmm. I'm sure there's a game I'm missing, but I cannot think of a game that's worse, that's a worse loss in franchise history. And I don't mean like more gutting because some of those playoff losses with Peyton, I get that. But this was, right. in terms of just worse loss, this has to take the cake. You have an interim head coach. You're facing a 3-14, and 2-14 and 14 team that's 32nd in the league in scoring and 31st in defense, and you get mauled. You get manhandled with your season on the line. Never seen it. Never, never expected a team like this to shrink like this. Inexcusable. Two weeks in a row, win and you're in. The absolute simplest scenario you could ever want. It, that's the shame of this, is they, they were 0-3 and 1-4, and, and, and they earned the right to punch their own ticket, and they let it slip through their fingers. Do you know how hard it is to go from 0-3 and, and 1-4, and as you said, to you are in total control of your destiny? Total control. You don't need anybody's help. I thought Darius Leonard put it great today after the game, and he said, you know, why should we need help from others? We can't even help ourselves. He nailed it. <laughs> nailed it. And it really spoke to just how helpless they seemed these last couple of weeks. They couldn't do anything about their situation. They could have. They just chose not to. And it's just it's utterly embarrassing. It is the lowest moment. For me, it's the, it's the lowest moment of the Frank Reich era. There's unquestionably the lowest moment of the Frank Reich era. I, I described his mood after the game as devastation. I, I don't think I was exaggerating. I think there are probably stronger words that are more accurate. He, was, he was stunned. He, like you said, he was yeah. shell-shocked. He, he really was. And... And so were we, for that matter, right? And and I didn't have anything at stake, and I was shell-shocked by the whole thing. Uh, I, I think here's the problem here, is that 
I think the, the the totality of this is the problem. We can get into like, okay, they didn't win at the line of scrimmage. We can talk about Carson Wentz, and we will talk about all of these things, right? There's there's lots of specifics to talk about. But I think the overarching thing, and this is something I really harped on in my story, as just that I that we just posted on the athletic. The net outcome of this, the net result, where they are right now, coming out of the 2021 season, is a worse outcome than a year ago. So they went backwards. That is regression. I don't know if they're a worse team. That's debatable. It doesn't matter, though. The results say regression. And to me, that's when you have to stop and you have to say, okay, we have to reevaluate. We got to look at everything. And what, what are we doing? And is this sustainable? Are we going down the proper path? So let's just t- kind of take it from, from that perspective. Um, and maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves. I don't know, Zach, but I, don't, I guess it doesn't matter, right? Why, why are we going to sit here and talk about, you know, a play in the second quarter of today's yeah. game or something? You know, what I mean? like it doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. It doesn't matter. So let's talk about where they are. They're out of the playoffs. They've got a quarterback who they can't trust, and they have to answer relevant questions about that. Uh, they have a defense that one week to the next, I'm not quite sure what they have. <laughs> They have an offensive line that got pushed around like a bunch of little girls today and honestly has been a little suspect the last couple of weeks, even before today. And so I don't know. I look at this and I mean, is, is this too strong to say this team has gone backwards? And do you think there's regression or do you just think that they just had some bad breaks and the record looks worse? No, no, there's no excuses for this. There's no sugarcoating this mm-hmm. the shit show that they put on tape today a couple things and i think you nailed it if you take a macro view this season was always about one thing it was always about did they figure out the quarterback position jim ursay yeah the guy who makes all the decisions said on the radio before the season look we have a good roster we have a good coach we have a good gym but we know we know that this season's going to go as far as carson wentz takes us and that went as far as carson wentz took them today which is not any more, which is not any further, which means no games next weekend in the playoffs. You have the biggest half of football you played all season, and he shrunk. And we can get into Carson in a minute, but you know that, that question about is he the guy, he did not help himself in that category today. And we'll see how the coming weeks and months play out. But you're going to be hard-pressed to find a Colts fan out there who's going to defend Carson Wentz after this one. I certainly, as a reporter, and, and not going to defend that performance and the way he shrunk in the biggest moment of the season. It's inexcusable. Yeah. When you're a 20, and this is not all on Carson. You mentioned the line, and I think Frank is to blame as well, and the defense didn't get it done. But when you're the $25 million quarterback who, 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 who you know, is a first-round pick and third-round pick, that's what they gave up to go get you, mm-hmm. and you play like that, the blame starts with you. That's the reality, and he needs to be better. And – that's that's the question that they didn't answer this year, that they have been trying to answer since August 24th of 2019. And we've talked a lot about that. And they thought they had that answer. Maybe maybe this year it was going to be the guy that could be here for four years, right? That's the length of his contract. Now you're thinking, is he going to make it to two? I think that's a totally logical statement. Um, we didn't talk to Jim Mercer after the game, but we did see him walk into the locker room and walk out and Oh, and they did not living. want Jim Mercer talking today. No, tell you because that. he would have said he, what all of you out there are thinking. Because he's he too livid. honest. He was livid. He's, <laughs> he's the biggest honest. fan out there, and he was livid. Um, and 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 I think you're right. Everything needs to be evaluated. Chris Ballard 
has put together a pretty good roster, but there's some holes and those were, those were exposed in really, really obvious fashion today. And I think just off the top of my head, Eric Fisher has been a disaster most of the season. Um, And it was never more obvious than today. Um, They don't have any depth at wide receiver. They're only, only team in football that doesn't have two receivers over 400 yards. Pittman was great. He had a thousand yards. You don't have anything behind him. I think we just saw T.Y. play his last game. There's nothing at tight end. I mean, literally nothing at tight end the last three or four weeks. And the defense, I don't know if I'm sold on Matt Eberflus's scheme. You know, I know they take the ball away a lot, but they shrink a lot in these types of situations. And, and the biggest obvious thing on defense is, is pass rush. And you rolled the dice with two rookie pass rushers, and you didn't get it done. And you gave Trevor Lawrence all day today. So th- those are just some of the smaller things that are the issues right now. But the bottom line is, and I think the, the takeaway in terms of blame for this one, if you move beyond Wentz, it's the head coach. And it's the guy who went on it, went on the, went on the, the push last year to go get Wentz. And I wrote this in my story. If, if you're going to put your neck on the line for Carson Wentz and make that gamble, then you have to live with the consequences. And the consequences are you just folded with the playoffs on the line two weeks in a row. So I want to tell a quick story that Zach has heard me tell like seven times. So, Sorry, Zach. Um, so, you know, I've, I'm, I'm old. I've been doing this a long time. And so you you might know, like, my previous history is from covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And the, the one end of the season scenario that I will never forget came in 2008. And this reinforces what you said and what I've been saying, which is that everything gets reevaluated. So the quick version is with after, I think, after week 13, the Bucks are, I think they're eight and four at that point. Uh, they they have a Monday night game at Carolina. This is when Carolina had Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Stewart and, and D'Angelo. Um, what was his name? I forget now. <laughs> anyway, D'Angelo they, Williams. D'Angelo Williams, excuse me. Right. It's been a long time. Anyway, they had this good running game and it was a big test. And so, you know, they go up there on Monday night and they get, the, the Bucks get hammered. They get run all over, like 200 yards rushing. They just get steamrolled. But, they're up in the division, right? With three games to go, all you got to do is win one or two. You're you're good, right? You're going to win the division. They lost their last four. Now, that is not comparable to what happened here. But my point to you is that here's what ensued. A couple weeks after the season, the owners decided, you know what? This is unsustainable. They fired John Gruden, fired Bruce Allen, the general manager, and proceeded to basically cut everybody who mattered. <laughs> the team was never the same. They gutted the entire team. Now, I don't know that the net result was good in the end, but it doesn't matter. My point to you is that that four-game stretch at the end there, which is just unforgivable, but that four-game stretch where they went from in total control to out of the playoffs, it prompted an absolute nuclear bomb. Now, we're not there, okay? This is a better team, I think, or just better constructed team. They had some older players. That's That was different, right? The, the circumstances were not the same. Not all disasters are created equal. However, I think the point remains that this can't happen. This cannot happen. This and, cannot and now that, happen. And now that it has, and look, you can you can say that we are, you know, contradicting ourselves or whatever, but you at home, okay, you were saying the same things about this team, most likely, as a fan a few weeks ago. That, man, you know what? This team has a chance. The Colts were saying it. I was saying it. 
Zach was saying it. You they were did, saying it. They did have a and chance. And you believed it. And you had every reason to believe it. But we are where we are. And this has happened. So I don't think, I don't think we're contradicting ourselves. I think the circumstances changed. This changes things. I'm not saying anybody's getting fired. Frank Reich is not getting fired. Chris Ballard is not getting fired. I don't want to talk about it. It's a stupid conversation. But it's not happening. However. How does this change 2022? It for puts both a of lot, them. It puts a lot of pressure on them, specifically Frank Reich. I mean, I don't think it's too too bold to say he's on the hot seat. And, you know, I don't know that I'm going to bet on him getting fired or anything, but results, man. Results. And okay? you know why he's on the hot seat? Not just head coaching, but you tied your wagon to Carson Wentz. Sure. And if Carson Wentz is the Colts quarterback in week one of next season, I would say at this point he probably is. But I still think that's a conversation and a discussion and a debate they need to have at West 56th Street over the next couple of weeks because absolutely we can get into the financials and we got a lot of stories coming this week on on the on the athletic digging into all of this. But bottom line is, you know, it's it's probably more likely than not that he's your quarterback next year. One, you don't have a first round pick. Two, I don't I don't know. Barring a miracle, Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson, I, I don't see that happening. But. If you're gonna if you're gonna tie your wagon to Carson Wentz and he's gonna play like this, then you might go down too, and that's the reality, and that's the reality that Jim Irsay and Chris Ballard need to evaluate because this was Frank Reich pushing for this trade, right? And this is the this is the quote of the offseason when he said, "I like sticking my neck out for people I believe in," and that's fine, and that's great coaching, mm-hmm. but if that's what you're gonna get, then you're gonna have to pay the price and. Wentz shrunk, and this is the analogy, and if my buddy Zirkle's listening, he's seen that this is me on the back nine of a really bad golf round, where a bogey (laughs) becomes a double, it becomes a triple, and it just falls off. And what did you say in the press box when we were walking out? My response to you was, except you're not a professional golfer. (laughs) (laughs) I ain't getting $25 million to do anything. But You make $0 playing golf. (laughs) Doesn't this feel like this is in his head? No, I I felt like that. Yeah. I felt like that in the second half. I felt like he he had lost it. He I'm glad you brought it. it up because I think we need to talk about this. I Because I, that's the thing. This guy has elite talent, okay, in terms of ability, okay? I'm not saying he displays it, but I think he possesses elite ability. He can throw the ball with the best of them. He can, he, he's, he's a great athlete. You cannot take that away from him, okay? He, those things exist, and he possesses those things. But he, that has nothing to do with whether he can handle the moment. And I'm telling you, I, I really think this started unraveling really since the Tampa Bay game. And I think that was – he had, he had two games this year where I felt like, okay, Carson, you just completely screwed it up. I thought the, first, the Tennessee game in yeah. Indianapolis, uh, for lack of a better word, he shit the bed. Okay? Yeah. I mean, he did, right? And, and we, we were pretty honest about that. And I think we gave him some benefit of the doubt moving forward. I thought that he he moved forward pretty well. That one didn't break him. I think the Tampa Bay game, I'm not saying he was the only reason they lost. I mean, they had, what, four or five turnovers? I mean, look, they should have lost that game. However, he had a couple of, I think he had a couple of interceptions, a couple of turnovers in that game. I think that's when I started to see him sort of going south. And I don't know if maybe it's not as clear cut as that. Maybe that's just my perception. I don't know. I'm not in the guy's head. But I'm telling you, man, there's a couple things that have happened. When when the protection breaks down, I've said this on the podcast, and, and we've seen this every week. When the protection breaks down, he's gotten worse and worse and worse in the latter part of the season. And then the other thing is, 
I think there's a fear of making mistakes. And, yes, that's and, the hesitation. Yes, it's it's affected his decision making. And there's some times, honestly, where he needs to let it rip. <laughs> All right, so yeah, good. He threw six interceptions this year. Hooray! That's a yeah, good number. Man. Don't like, give me that. He's twenty-seven and seven are his numbers. That's the most misleading stat I've ever. Exactly. Heard. You know what I mean? Like there were times today where I was like, "Dude, you got to let it rip." And so I've been telling quarterbacks I can't play scared. Man. You can't play mental. scared. It's it's you know I hate to say this, but it's it's what we heard from Philadelphia fans at the end of last season. Mm-hmm. And and I don't blame the Colts for making the move. And we should probably mention this as well that. Look, Carson was the best of bad options. You know, like Matthew yeah. Stafford wasn't happening. And, and and do you want Sam Darnold? Like, trust me, like Treddy Bridgewater, like Jacoby Brissett. Like, I, I still think Carson's the best of bad options. And and that doesn't make it better because he, he folded down the stretch. But there's no there's no there's no perfect quarterback that they're just going to find. They don't have a good enough draft pick. They didn't last year. They don't even have a first round pick this year. Mm-hmm. I don't see one hitting the market that's going to be available to them. And this is sort of the bed they're in, and, and that's the, the shame of it is they've been in this for three or four years just trying to find these short-term solutions and, and not finding one. And the other thing with me, with Wentz, is you, the Colt teams figured out how to beat the Colts. They figured it out. Yeah, you yeah. stop Jonathan Taylor and you stop the Colts, and that's the shame because Carson should have feasted on that. With Pitt, like How many jump balls have they thrown to Pittman in the last couple of weeks? Like I can't think of any. And... That's the greatest shame of this because Frank Reich is a passing coach, a quarterback coach, and Carson has the arm and the skills to do it. And as Taylor took over and Taylor became an MVP candidate, teams decided we're going to stop Jonathan Taylor, and the Colts and Reich and Wentz could not figure out how to counter that. That's their job, and they shouldn't have just beat it. They should have been excellent. And the fact that he only threw for, I think it was 3,500 yards in in 17 games, that should have been 4,000 easy. Everything was set up for Carson this season. Now, I'm not excusing the offensive line. They've had their issues. But for the most part, most of the year, they were okay. They were pretty good. Heading in today, they had given up the second least sacks in the league. Now, they gave up six today, including 10 hits. That's inexcusable. But, and we wrote this when it happened. The trade happened last March. Everything was set up. Great running back. You've got some weapons. Now, they need more weapons, and we'll get into that. But Carson didn't get it done with so much good around him. And, and we wrote this then. If, if he can't do it here... There's not going to be another second chance to be a franchise quarterback. A third yeah. chance, excuse me. Yeah, I, I still feel that way. I think it, it's more true than ever. It's more true than ever. Uh, you had you had a, a prodigious talent at running back. They wasted one of the best individual efforts I've seen in my life yeah, a, from, yeah. from Jonathan Taylor this year. You know what I mean? Like, How often do you get a front row seat for the, the kind of season that he had this year? You don't. You know what I mean? Like, you can be a, a fan of a, of a team for a long time and never see one of your players do that. You know, the Colts have had a couple because they've had some good running backs over the years, but it's been a long time, number one. And number two, uh, he's had a better season than any of them, okay? So even even by the Colts' high standards, he's had just a off-the-charts season in, in an era where you don't have those kinds of rushing performances. He did it, Okay. And they have nothing to show for it. That is, I mean, that's unbelievable. I mean, and and just to piggyback on that, like Quentin Nelson playing through a high ankle sprain, Darius Leonard playing through a high ankle sprain with, you know, what, 12 takeaways for him, nothing to show for it. Not even a single, not even a single playoff game to show for it. But, but Taylor is the most glaring of all. 
Yeah. And the most one of the most disappointing things is it's it isn't if we could just chalk this up to to Wentz, maybe it would be more it would be easier to stomach. But it's it's also hard because it's like the offensive line is getting whipped out there. You're like, what is that about? You've got on defense, they can't even they, they can't even chip away at the the Jacksonville offensive line. All right. Since when did they? I mean, they have a couple guys up front, but like, what now? They have this powerful offensive line. When did that Every, happen? Right. I, I can't think of a worse offensive performance I've seen from the Colts under Frank Reich. That I mean, even going back to the last time we were here in 2018, it wasn't the last time we were here, but it was that six to zero game. I mean, mm-hmm. at least that time you moved it into their territory, and and I'm sort of overlooking the late touchdown they scored today because it was it was over by that point, right? But, Wow, I mean that's yeah, the, like the six nothing game. Like I can tell you very specifically why that happened. Okay, I, I can like the, you know it shouldn't have happened. <laughs> okay, let's be clear. But I can explain. I was like, all right, well they drove the ball down inside their ten yard line like three freaking times, right? I mean they they screwed it up. They turned the ball over in the red zone. Like I can say, all right, that's a very specific reason I can attribute you know for that loss. This one was no, they got beat in every possible manner. They were never in the game. They never threatened. They never looked like they had their act together. And that is actually part of the other question I have coming out of this. This team has been flat two weeks in a row. And I think the hallmark of a Frank Reich team is a team that that usually responds. Yeah. Tell me, tell me when you've seen, seen them do this. You know, Not this year, for sure. The last time... They really did this. I did they lose consecutive games at all in 2020? I'm not sure they did. Um, no, I don't think they did. It, they did it in 2019, but the team had kind of devolved. You know, certainly Jacoby had gotten hurt, and they, they just weren't very good at, as a team at that point. But yeah, they they really outside of a couple of stretches in 2019 and early in the 2018 and 21 seasons this year where they, you know, had slow starts 20 and 18. I understand why they had the slow starts, new schemes, new coach, new everything luck coming back. So I kind of excuse that this year. I think the injuries are very much attributable for, for the slow start. And I actually can stomach that, but generally outside of those two, those two stretches, they have been a team that responds this year. They definitely have been that. And, I was just completely floored by their inability to meet the moment. You know, we talk about Carson not meeting the moment, but nobody did. You know, that's the thing. Yeah, nobody did. It's that's unbelievable. The, that's I mean, we drive into the game this morning in Jacksonville. It's 70 degrees. And, and not for one minute did I think this team was going to lose today. And maybe that's maybe that's my mistake. And, and maybe <laughs> this is my mistake on, on another front is I thought I almost was willing to to not excuse the Raiders' loss, but I think I can understand the Raiders' loss, right? I really do think they yeah. the, the Cardinals' law win took everything out of them. It took every last guy on the roster. They were exhausted. That's the last win of the season, by the way. Hmm. And and if that if I knew that that night, I wouldn't have believed you. But the reality is they weren't ready to play the Raiders. They weren't ready. And I could I could kind of tell that week in talking to these people, you know, talking to the guys on Inst- on on excuse me Zoom and and interviewing, they just didn't seem up for it. And, and I really yeah. had a vibe reading them, you know, before the Patriots game, I knew they were ready to play. I could just, I could just tell they were ready. Yeah. I didn't have that vibe last week. They, they had a ton of guys outside, out of practice, missing practice, coming back from COVID, et cetera. We talked about that. So I could live with last week. 
I never thought they would do it two weeks in a row. And not only did they lose, they played worse to lesser competition with more on the line, with their backs against the wall, throughout all the cliches. This was a colossal choke job. This was absolutely stunning. And it, it starts with Frank Reich. He didn't have his team ready and, and he, he count, he just, he stood there. He sat there in his post game podium and, and he just, he just kind of stared at the floor because he was just like, I, I, he was shell shocked. He couldn't believe it. And, and I don't think he's going to have an answer tonight or tomorrow. And it's going to, and I wrote this, this is going to leave a stain on this franchise for several months. Hmm. You don't get to get over this until week one or week two of next year, right? This is the last thing you showed your fans heading into the offseason pissing down your leg in Jacksonville and getting beat up by a team that's got their fans showing up in clown masks because they're so <laughs> fed up with a team that's had nine losing seasons in 10 years. That's your reality. You went down there with your backs against the wall and you got your ass kicked. And this is how I closed my story. You know, the, the question we wanted to answer all year was whether the Colts are for real. And we saw some good and they beat the Patriots for the first time in 12 years. They beat the Cardinals with all those guys injured and they, you know, they beat the crap out of the Bills. But at the end of the day, they finally answered the question on the final Sunday of the regular season. They're not even close to, to contenders. They're not even close to being for real. And we learned that today. And that's the shame of it is um, didn't see this coming. And they're going to have to live with that. And they're going to have to live with whatever this loss does for the franchise moving forward. Because this is not a game we're going to forget anytime soon. You know, one of the things that I think I think about everything from a selfish standpoint, right? How does it affect me? <laughs> that's what we that's <laughs> how we think about this, okay? And and we had this conversation in our rental car tonight. <laughs> like, you know, this offseason is gonna really suck for us, Zach. And and what I mean by that is you, the the fans, the readers, you're gonna be very dissatisfied. And you're gonna want answers. You're gonna want action. You're gonna want, you know, a response to this. And I don't blame you. I saw the game too. And so Here's the thing is I don't think there's a quick fix. And I think we need to talk about like what are some of the things that are under consideration now? And I think I think honestly, it, it not only puts Frank Reich on the hot seat here a little bit, it it puts Chris Ballard on the hot seat. And and I don't mean in terms of being fired, I mean just in terms of you have to you have to find a way to provide some answers. You have to answer for this. And not just answer for it like in a press conference. I mean, you got to do something. Like, what are you going to do? You can't just say, okay, we'll run it back and we'll do it again next year with the same group. Well, I, I mean, I'm not saying they're going to overhaul the roster, but like, what are you what are you going to do? Like, the core of the team has been the same now for about three years, okay? Three, four years, the core of the team has been the same. One playoff win. Okay, so you cannot sustain what you're doing. It's not getting you anywhere. Now, I'm not saying you overhaul the roster, okay? I'm not saying go nuclear, but I'm saying there must be changes. Yeah. They, yeah. And and I think it comes down to and, – and Jim Mercer, if you're him, don't you get a little more forceful about this? Don't yeah. you say – if, if you're him, don't you say, Chris, I need – we need to talk about free agency. Yep. It's he's one been, thing. He's been hands off to this point. Absolutely. It's one thing know. if you're Bill Polian and you draft a, a Hall of Famer every other year and you win 12 games a year. It's another thing if you go nine and eight and piss down your leg in Jacksonville in week 17 and 
don't have a number two receiver. I mean, you don't even have a receiver that can get up above 400 yards besides Michael Pittman Jr. Yeah. That's absolutely inexcusable. And that's a direct result of their penny pinching and free agency at the wide receiver position. And, and it's just not good enough. You can't, you can't get anything from Paris Campbell anymore. And besides Michael Pittman Jr., this is a huge question mark, huge question mark, because I think we just saw T.Y. Hilton play his last game in a Colts uniform. Now, T.Y. did say after the game that he thinks he knows what he wants to do. He's going to talk to Jack Doyle, as he said. Um, I, I don't think he's back. I, I Maybe maybe one year, but I yeah. don't think he can play a central role in your plans. And there's no guarantee that he gets re-signed here if he comes back either. Yeah. So I don't think he's even – I don't even think he's a variable in this conversation. I love it, T.Y. Shame, and I, I respect the hell out that, of him, It's a shame that that's his last game, too. He, he was a great Colt. But, you know, it, it's, it's left tackle. It's wide receiver. It's pass rush. It's and tight end. And he gave him all. And, he, and the, the shame of it is just a parting thought on T.Y. He gave him all he had down the stretch, I thought. You know, they don't win that Arizona game without him. I don't know that he really factored large in the uh, – the Raiders game, but I thought even against Jacksonville today, he made a couple plays, gave him a shot. You know, just Wentz just didn't have anything. And then when he, when he, you know, when he maybe could have made a play, he just had no opportunity because the offensive line was a complete, absolute punchline today. Absolute joke. Worst game of the season for the offensive line at the worst possible time. But anyway, uh, back to Chris Ballard. I, I think that they can, you can't, if you're him, this is your legacy. Okay, this is your legacy. And from the day he walked in the door, he told us he wanted this to be a long term thing. He wanted to sustain greatness for a long time. Well, right now, his legacy is not that good. I mean, his legacy, it's multi pronged, right? Your legacy is is partly the players you acquire. And he's acquired some fantastic players. There's no question that he has had some great draft picks. Yeah. But at the same, but, uh, but the total What are the picture, draft picks for if you're not winning games in right, January? Exactly. The, the fact of the matter is, the bottom line is, I don't care how many gold jackets you draft. If they don't get to the playoffs and do anything, nobody cares, right? So that's the bottom line. And 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 I can't, you can't tell me he's not feeling that pressure. As much of a competitor as he is, I understand he's got a contract extension and all that. Nobody's getting fired. I'm not saying that. But come on, man. I think. I think even Chris Ballard, Mr. Patience and Mr. You know, do it the right way, et cetera. I think even for him, I think this is going to be a shift. I think. I think it needs to be at least. So I don't know. Uh, What do you think? What do you think he's thinking? Oh, I think Chris is pissed. I think he's livid right now, just like the owner. He put together a pretty good team. Now we talked about the flaws and those are real. But this team's too good. This team's too good to be sitting at home next weekend. That's the reality. You have have the most pro bowlers in the league, for God's sake. And you can't beat the Jags in week 17 to get week 18 to get in the playoffs. That's inexcusable. And and the the, the interesting thing about this is it's not just on Carson. It's not just on Frank. It's not just on Ballard. It's not just on the line. It's it's everything. It's 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 not something you tear down because you have so many good pieces in place. But that one nagging thought I have in the back of my head is, is are they going to ever do anything until they get this quarterback thing figured out? Hmm. Because I don't have a solution to that. And that's the thing that we have to remind the fans about is like, I know the fans want to get rid of Wentz right now. I'm sure they do. But like, what's the play then? Like, you right. can't move to like Ellinger. You can't move to like Teddy. I mean, there's no good option out there. Wentz might still be your best option. And I think 
I do think Carson would be better with a full training camp and another preseason and all that. But today is a big, it's a big lost opportunity for him. And we kind of talked about this at the, at the ale house a minute ago is like, I don't think there's any type of ownership or, or Carson's not Indy's guy. He's just not. And he didn't help himself on that regard today. Like, like Darius Leonard is a cult. He's a freaking cult. T Y Hilton. Quentin Nelson and, and those guys yeah. are drafted here. They grew up here. They're invested, like and not, not, not that they didn't have to give up draft picks for Carson. But I agree with you. It's like he was a necessary evil. Yeah, he was the he was the best of a lot of mediocre yeah. options, and mediocre is being kind. But in JT, I mean, JT is is Indy's guy, and yeah. Carson is Frank's guy. And if he and if he's not going to get it done, and then it's just the, the fans are just not going to have that that patience. And frankly, this, you know, to put a piggyback on this point, they're just, this team's too good to not have the quarterback spot figured out to not go anywhere. I mean, you're talking about the prime of, of Quentin Nelson's career, the prime of Darius Leonard's career, the prime of JT's career the next couple of years, when you should be competing for freaking championships. And you're not even in the dance this year because your quarterback shrunk and because the offensive line shrunk. And um, it, it's just a shame. This team's good enough to beat anybody. But as we learned today, they're not even good enough to get a, ch- a spot in in the playoffs. So that's that's another thing they're going to have to realize. And and I think when Ursay gets that through his, Ursay knows all of this. Mm-hmm. I think Ursay is going to have to talk to Chris Ballard and Frank Reich and be like, "Listen, guys, we're going to have to change some things up. And if you don't change some things up, the leash is going to be a lot shorter." Now these guys are both signed through twenty twenty six, which is significant here. But don't think that money is going to be the deciding factor with Ursay. It never is. Trust me, he wants to win more than all of you, and he's not going to accept this. He's not going to accept another season like this. Yeah, I, I think what a, what a good boss does in a situation like this is the first thing you do, and if I'm Jim Mercer, the first thing I would do is, and I'm a few billion short, so I'm not Jim Mercer, but the first thing I would do is I would go to them whenever, the, you know, let the let let things simmer for a little bit, and then... When it's time, we sit down and my question to them is, what is the plan? What's the plan, guys? Because the plan can't be this, <laughs> right? It like, can't, this- like you said, you said this right after the game. The plan can't be, let's just run them back and see if the results are any different. Right. So what is the plan? And maybe they're tweaks. Maybe they're huge changes. I don't know. But I want to hear a plan and I, wanna, I want you to sell me on why it's going to work. Because if, if I'm saying, I think now what you're doing as opposed to saying, okay, I, I trust you guys. Now you're, you got to be asking more questions. And now you have to be a little more pointed in those questions. And I think he will be, you know, and he's not the, he's not a fire and brimstone owner. He never has been. Uh, and he's not his father. And as you have well documented, I think, you know, some of your stories you've written. Right Now, today so, might have been one of those days Ursay should have gone down to the field and started yelling at the guys. Now, that would have been a story. I mean, I would have that would have been worth the trip to Jacksonville. Right. Not the right way to do it. But, hey, I'm always I'm always here for exceptions. Right. But like we said, status quo is not OK. So maybe try that. So, I mean, that's you're not wrong, though. Like it, today was a day where anything would have been justified because that's how bad it was. So anyhow, we're not going to fix this tonight. Okay, that's clear. And we'll get more information as the days and weeks move forward. We'll we'll hear from Frank Reich tomorrow after he's had a a night to sleep on it and digest it all and 
we'll hear more from Carson Wentz. I presume uh, we will at some point hear from Chris Ballard and he's going to have to atone for a lot of what's happened here as well. So there's a lot more information to discuss and to process and, and to disseminate, right? There's a lot more. Uh, but I think as we sit here today, I think these we're, t- we're talking about three smart men here. Frank Reich, Jim Mersey, Chris Ballard. We're talking about very, three very smart individuals. They know this. Okay? They know this is not okay. They must know. And I, I believe that they do. And I believe that they are not that, that they're not going to just take this laying down. And if they do, then I think that would be disappointing. So uh, that would that would be surprising to me, and I think that would be disappointing. Yeah, this, is, and, this and is not okay. They're also they're also smart enough to know that you need to let this sit and simmer and settle for a yes, little bit. Correct. And the, Jim Mercer knows you don't make panic decisions like his father used to. You don't, you know, make impetuous, hasty decisions out of out of emotion and passion and, and you know you need to make pragmatic decisions but also mm-hmm. you need to hold some feet to the fire and and it starts with Bowden and Reich and they're going to have to answer for why this fell apart and why you're not in the playoffs with so much talent and why you haven't figured out the pass rush or, or et cetera et cetera yeah. um but it starts with the quarterback and I don't think we're going to get an answer for a long time and in terms of next season. Like, I don't think we're going to get anything until like next season with Carson Wentz. If he's the guy that's, that's back next year, that's, that's the broody, the brutal part of this is, is you're not going to get that answer that you can't get that we thought we might get this season mm-hmm. until next September or October, or even in November, because that's just how this works. And, and you can't really tell until you're under fire in the moment and he's got to make a big play or, you know, carry this team because, this is the lasting impression he left this fan base and his bosses and the decision makers, Reich and Ballard. Yeah. And it couldn't have gone worse. It could not have possibly gone worse for Carson Wentz. I don't care what the stats say, as Ballard always tells us, right? He says, you guys watch the same games we do. And my eyes told me today that they have a quarterback problem. I'm not sure they can trust Carson Wentz. We'll see what they say. And, you know, he's Frank's guy. And Frank says he's our guy and I believe in him. And that's fine. But, if you're going to believe in that guy, then there's going to be a lot on the line come 2022. Yeah, the way I I will summarize Carson Wentz in this manner. You know, we have asked a lot this year, can the Colts win with Carson Wentz? And we've said, well, you know, they can they can win with him. I think that and I think that's possibly still true, but they but I think it's been made clear now, at least for this year, then today was a great example of this. I don't know that they can win because of Carson Wentz. And no, today was a day they needed Carson to do that. Wentz. They didn't win because of him all season. No, the, 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 Maybe the one exception, and I wrote the story that night in, in Arizona, which seems like a year ago. It was only two <laughs> weeks ago. He made some great plays at the end. You can't take that away from him. He made some great plays this season. Um, you know, His ability to run and keep plays alive was huge. Um, but, but this is the lasting image of this season was them folding in Jacksonville. And if you don't have a quarterback that can move the ball vertically in today's NFL, you're not going to consistently win as good as Jonathan Taylor is teams showed you over the last month that they know how to beat him as good as he is. They know how to beat him. They had to make the Colts one dimensional and the Colts didn't have a quarterback good enough of overcoming that. They didn't have a coach this season good enough at overcoming that as well. And that's the most damning of all because He's the highest paid player on the team and and they shrunk and 
that's that's just it, it. I just can't believe we're talking about this right now because this team this could this team could have done something in the playoffs. I do believe that, but they will be watching them at home just like the rest of us. Yeah, I mean, basically, we just brought this thing full circle. We started with disbelief, and we'll just end it with disbelief. Uh, we're basically where you are as the listener. <laughs> we can't believe it either, okay? Trust me. Uh, I wish we had more answers. They're not going to be readily available. That's not how this thing works. Uh, but let's just walk away with the with the understanding and the in, in agreement that this was astonishing, <laughs> Okay, that's the yeah. best way I could put it. Absolutely, positively astonishing. And one of the biggest collapses I've ever seen. One of the worst losses in franchise freaking history. I do not think that is a, an exaggeration whatsoever. And you saw it today. So, you know, you'll have that. You'll always have that. <laughs> you'll always have that memory. <laughs> so t- 10, 20 years from now, Zach and I will be sitting somewhere somewhere else in our lives. And like, you remember that? <laughs> The game back in 2022? Holy shit, that was bad. We have covered some crazy some crazy shit on this beat. Like yep. we have covered some crazy stuff. Yep. And this is in the top 5 in terms of just unbelievable stunning moments. I put it up there it's not bigger than luck retiring obviously, but it's it's like that level of that that had a longer effect. I I know I'm not I'm not being flippant about that, but I'm just saying it's it's in the conversation to like you know to rank behind that in some order you know in terms of just how stunning it was and just what a gut punch it was like can you believe that uh, you know and that will always be the biggest uh, the the most the most astonishing thing I've ever seen I think I think that will always be that but uh, this is this is going to be pretty high on the list man it's pretty high on the list um, all right. I think we may have to run this back. You know, speaking of running it back, I think we may have to revisit uh, the podcast here in the coming days, depending on what we learn. But we'll see. I mean, if nothing else, you'll you'll hear from us in the near future. We will hear from Chris Ballard. So we're not going to go anywhere. And also, oh, trust me, we will be cranking out some some stories. We have a lot to say. So, man, I had a good I had a good playoff story ready to go. It's on my computer. What, I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> How's that working out for you? Ain't going to see the light of day because they make me look really stupid. <laughs> Man, that's that's what happens. And the crazy thing is, and, and we can leave you with this, is their season ends in Jacksonville, of all places. Like, this season was supposed to end in Buffalo or New England or Kansas City or maybe Cincinnati or, mm-hmm. hell, maybe I'll just get crazy and say Los Angeles where the Super Bowl is, right? It was supposed to end in the playoffs where they belonged. And it ends in Jacksonville because they couldn't beat the freaking Jags. Same story we've been watching for seven years down here. I've never covered a Colts win in Jacksonville. Maybe I never will. But um, a loss that just defies logic, defies belief, inexcusable. And and I don't think we're overdoing it. Like, I don't think we're just um, overstating like, no, the don't. drama and the stakes that they just um, failed to meet. I think, I think you said it best when you said this might be the worst loss in franchise history. Considering what was, like, who they were playing and what was on the line. Like, that's, wow. That's... Just inexplicable. Unbelievable. All right. Well, that's all we got. I don't know how else to put it. I think we've adequately described what we saw today. So uh, we'll leave it at that. And uh, we thank you guys for listening. Uh, stay tuned to The Athletic. We're going to have a lot more coverage. Again, uh, there's, there's going to be fallout from this. Uh, lots to talk about. Lots to debate. And we'll be here 
uh, we got nine months of it to come. Okay, so <laughs> pray for us. It's gonna be a long off season. So uh, can't wait till free agency. All right, thanks guys for listening. Uh, Stephen Holder with Zach Kiefer, and this is one percent better.